Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive Buffalo Rumblings Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. The bye week brings with it an opportunity to be creative, but not so creative that you run out of good ideas and start doing food podcasts like what happens in the offseason. So the bye week is a little dash of opportunity to kind of mix things up a little bit. And that's what we're going to do today on the Bruce Exclusive. I hope you listened to yesterday's episode, which was a deep dive into the offensive lull that happened for the Buffalo Bills in the third quarter into the fourth quarter against the Arizona Cardinals. Next Friday, a week from the time this podcast drops, we will do the Almighty Takes in regards to the Bills' next game. At that time, it will be the Chargers, barring anything unforeseen. Which means we have two pods where we have an opportunity to mix it up a little bit, do something a little different. Next Thursday, we are going to talk about quarterback metrics. And today, we're going to talk about fandom. We're going to talk about fandom in general. And the reason why I wanted to have this discussion is because I happen to know someone who has a different perspective on fandom, and specifically Bill's fandom, than I do. The vast majority of the people that you talk to in the course of your Bill's fandom are, well, I've been a fan since the 70s, or I've been a fan since the 80s, or I've been a fan since the 90s. I have no idea why the people who have been fans since the 70s suddenly have a Southern accent, but that's the way I interpret them in my head. So everyone you know has been a fan for a long time, or they were a fan since birth, or they grew up with it, or they moved away from the motherland, as they call it, but it's still part of their home. But there's a unique perspective that comes from someone who becomes a Bills fan later in life, and it means different things for those people. And so I wanted that fresh take on fandom, and to do that, I could think of no one better to bring in than the best guest this podcast has ever or will ever see. That's right. That's right. Superlatives are being dropped on this episode of the Bruce Exclusive. Ladies and gentlemen, the lovely, the talented, the voice of the intro of the Bruce Exclusive, Mrs. Nolan. How you doing? What is up, Bills Mafia? It's good to be back. It's great to be back. It's great to have you. How are you doing? Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I am fantastic. Great. I am fantastic. So I wanted to chat with you. What First off, what, what's been going on with, with, with Mrs. Exclusive since the last time we talked? Last time we talked, it was a food podcast yeah. this yeah. offseason. Now, let me, let me rephrase that. It wasn't the last time we talked. It was the last <laughs> time we recorded a podcast together. I, I, I do talk to my wife. That is, that is something that really actually does happen. But the last time we did this... We were doing a food pod and it was very well received and that was fun for the off season, right? But now we're going to talk about like real football stuff. Yeah. We're going to talk about football fandom yes. and the way that we process football fandom. And I thought that it was a really interesting conversation to have specifically with you because out of all the people I know who are Bills fans, you are the one who became a Bills fan most recently. Yes. Yes. So much later in life, much, much later yes. in life. So how long have you been a Bills fan now? Um, 
I've been a Bills fan for about 11 years now. About 11 years. And what is it that caused you to become a Bills fan? (laughs) Well, I mean, marrying you was the first step. That's the first step, yes. Marrying you was the first step. And, you know, at first it was just I wanted to be the cool girlfriend, the cool wife, you know. I would make all the food and then I'd sit and watch with my guy's team and I thought he would think that was like really hot or something. But now I think I can actually say I'm a legit fan. Um, And for me, it was just time. You know, it's just time. It took time for me to really build it up and to really form a connection with the team and the fan base and – and now I think I'm a pretty, I think I'm a pretty hardcore fan now. Now you're a real fan. I'm a real fan. In the beginning, it was just, you know, I'll throw on the shirt and, you know, get excited, clap a little when they did something, you know, well, <laughs> now it's, you know, jumping up and down and high-fiving and yelling and it, it's, it's all the good stuff. Well, they didn't do things super well the vast majority of the time that you were a Bills fan. Yes. So there wasn't really a lot of occasions. Right. And it was different for me because I come from a team who, I mean, the entire time I've been a fan has basically been an elite team. So coming in and watching, you know, just assuming the worst (laughs) each Sunday, like, well, here we go. We're going to, we're here we go. (laughs) So let's talk about that. Okay. So. You are an Ohio State Buckeye fan. I am. And your fandom for the Ohio State Buckeyes, I think you would agree, is deeper. Yes. And more emotionally tied than your fandom for the Buffalo Bills. Yes. So knowing that there are different levels of fandom and knowing it's not a binary, you're either fan or you're not, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's gradients to this. Define fandom for me. So is it really just as as short as just saying, well, it's short for fanatic. Fan is short for fanatic. I don't really think that's necessarily true, Mm -hmm. but knowing that you have differing levels of fandom what's the difference between your buffalo bills fandom and your ohio state fandom and how does that help you define what fandom means well i don't really think i mean i think it's a little bit of both i think fandom is you know a fanatic because i think we can agree that there's a there's a difference between just being a fan and being a fanatic you know being a fan you could just throw on the shirt and you know, watch the game and go about your business when it's done. But I think there's some deep love and affection and, you know, when to be a fanatic and having that fandom, um, you know, I think it's a sense of pride. You take, you know, a lot of pride in that team or that thing. Um, and I also think it's it's camaraderie, you know what I mean? It's a connection that you would never – really have with strangers you know it's it's I know for us being an Ohio State fan you know when we're traveling we're in a different city we're in a different state and we see somebody or we have on an Ohio State shirt or an Ohio State hat and um you know walking by and all of a sudden you just hear a big oh and I oh right without even thinking I have to they just blurt it out or you blurt it out and it's just it just brings people together. It's like a family, you know, and no matter who it is, if you see that and, and you yell out, you know you're going to get a response. I think even when we see, because um, obviously we're not from the Buffalo area, and there's been a few times, it's like a unicorn around here, but there's been a few times when we've seen um, either a Buffalo Bills um, 
a bumper sticker or we see somebody wearing a shirt and you know go Bills and it, it just brings a smile to your face and I know for us it brings back a lot of memories and it um causes you to reminisce and think of all those good times so I think like it's just a deep deep pride and love and it's just it is it's a family okay so it's the sum fandom would be the sum of the pride and the emotional connection and the camaraderie Mm -hmm. that you feel you add those three things together and you understand that it's not binary it's not you have pride or you don't Mm -hmm. you have camaraderie or you don't it's it's a gradient right Mm -hmm. more of more so you said that it's just a matter of time for you. You've yes. been an Ohio State fan longer than I you've been a Bills fan. I haven't been an Ohio State fan longer, but I haven't been an Ohio State fan much longer. Right. So is there still a huge gap? I don't think there's a huge gap. I think for me, um, what had happened, you know, I didn't become an Ohio State fan until after I graduated high school. And I started to attend the Ohio State University. I went to one of the branches with my best friend. And as soon as we graduated, like, of course... I grew up in Ohio. I'm born and raised. I'm an Ohio girl. Um, So my family, all of, you know, the kids I went to school with, I mean, they were all Buckeye fans. So it's not like it was just a random decision for me, you know. If I was going to pick a team, it was going to be the Ohio State Buckeyes. Right. Um, So once I decided, that was it. Like the next day, it – it was just in me. Like, I was like, I'm a Buckeye. Like, this is my team. Um, and I hit the ground running. Like, that was just it for me. So I think... It's not the way it happened with the Bills. No, but I think it was because that was my first team. You know, and I was aware of college football. You know, I was around that. I didn't grow up with NFL. Like, I just didn't. We didn't watch it. I don't really remember, like, my dad watching it on Sunday. So it was a very... A new concept for me watching football on Sunday. So you think that your pre-existing familiarity with college football was what allowed you to kind of hit the ground running with the Buckeyes? Yes. Whereas and- with the Bills, you were not just learning to love the Bills. You were learning pro football in general. Right. Are they really that different? Because now I've been a college football and a pro football guy my whole life, right? So for me, the lines are very blurry, but you tell me it's very, very, very different what's so much different that caused you to be able to hit the ground running with a favorite college team and not hit the ground running with a favorite pro team? Well, I think because I was so deep into my Ohio State fandom, like I just couldn't see rooting for anything else. Like I couldn't see myself really cheering. There wasn't room in your heart for anything else? I mean, my heart, I mean, I bleed scarlet and gray. (laughs) So that was it. Um but also, like, it was just different. I feel like the whole – like, for, I had never been to a pro game at this point. So it was more just kind of relaxed. And it's kind of like college basketball. You know, you go to a college basketball game and it's completely different for me than going to a college football game. It's just relaxed. Everybody sits and we clap, you know, like we're watching a, a golf tournament. <laughs> and um, so watching football on a Sunday, it was just kind of that same feel for me. Like it was just very just calm and relaxed. You're tired from staying up late and watching college football the night before. Oh, I see how it is. You didn't have anything <laughs> left over to really give didn't. to pro football I because really you didn't. were busy. Your throat was hoarse and you were you know bloated from all of the nachos that you ate the day before. Exactly. Got it. 
and you're also trying to learn all the new players, all the new teams, you know, the divisions. It, it was just a lot. And um, yeah, at that point, I just didn't know if I had room in my heart for another team. I just didn't know. But I've grown. And just like the Grinch, my heart has grown. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, I now have room. You now have room. I now have room. So it's- let's talk about right now the difference as your fandom sits right now versus how it sat before so before i would say the gap was fairly large because you hit the ground running with your ohio state fandom i mean you bled scarlet and gray right off the bat you said hey here we go bought the jersey i mean yeah i had the face stickers and you know i remember the jersey and the face stickers the buckeye necklace i mean i had it all well now you have bill stuff yes and you have 26 shirts. Yes. Shout out Del Reed. Yes. Love them, guys. Love the 26 love shirts. Them. Go support them. It's an amazing cause. And I just, I love what they're doing. So yes, big shout out. So how far is the gap now between the two of them? It's very, very close. I think you can agree because you are a bigger fan of the Buffalo Bills than you are the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I would you, say that's true. You you were also a fan of the Bills longer, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was not a Buckeye fan until, um, goodness gracious, it must have been high school, probably. I was a Buckeye fan. I didn't live in I didn't even live in Ohio right. at the time, and but I've been a, a I've been a Bills fan since I was wee. Since yeah. I could count football cards, apparently. Yes. yes. <laughs> so since I was a wee wee man. Yeah. So I think you can agree that. There's always the Bills are always going to have a slight edge on the Buckeyes, but it's very close. Like you still have that passion for the Buckeyes and, you know, you still get angry, you still get happy, you know, you still all of those emotions. But I think there's always going to be a slight edge. The Bills are always going to have that slight edge on the Buckeyes for you. And I feel like that's how it is for me. But it's very, very slight, 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 slight. I feel like part of this for me is that I'm I've been around for so many really good Buckeye teams yeah. that my level of confidence in the Buckeyes is so high that I don't really get that stressed out. Yeah. And you I'm much more it. relaxed. Yeah. You want it so badly for the Bills. You know, mm. you just want it. And um, yeah. Yeah. So. I, I feel less stressed when I watch the Buckeyes because I'm like, you know, we're a good team. They, they, they win a lot of games by I, a lot of points. I think it's opposite for me. I think. I just expect them to. So when they don't, I'm like, well, this sucks. <laughs> you know, like I just, I want to win. I just want to keep winning, you know? So it, I think it's opposite for me. Like because we've always been fairly good, like I just expect that. So when we're not, it's just defeating. <laughs> you and I have talked about this before. Expectations minus reality equals disappointment. And when yes. your expectations for the Buckeyes are you win every game, right? then you lose one game to Iowa in the middle of the season and you feel like the wheels are falling off. Right. Where if my expectations are the, for the Bills are they go 10 and 6 or 9 and 7, you know, it's a little bit different. I think part of that comes with the pro game. The pro game, you're going to have losses. You're not going to yeah. have undefeated teams yeah. in the pros. And you don't have to have style points exactly. in the pros. A win is a win. You just got to get a win. Um, with college, I mean, style points matter. Like and that how fundamentally you changes your fandom. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, even if we get a win, it's like, well, that wasn't a very good one. We played like crap. We almost lost. Like, that matters. That, it matters. 
And that's something you have to consider when you talk about your fandom in a pro sport versus a fandom in a different sport is that do style points matter and that changes your level of reality. So your expectations could be a certain thing. Reality is not just win or loss in certain sports. You know, if you're an MMA fan, you and I are both MMA fans, yeah. right? If you win a really boring decision that doesn't push you up the rankings, yeah, you got a W, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, if you're a, a 14th ranked fighter and you fight a 15th ranked fighter and you guys go to a boring five round decision that you win a split decision. Okay. You won, but did it really do anything for you? Right. And we're, you're, if you're a fan of a pro team that the, the sport that you were following fundamentally alters your fandom because your expectations have to be adjusted to that. And if your expectations are different, the reality is different, then your level of disappointment, the emotional attachment that you feel walking out of that game or match or fight or whatever it is, is going to feel different. Mm -hmm. Okay, we are going to take a quick break. We are going to come right back. We are going to continue on talking about fandom. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We are talking with the better Nolan, the better Mrs. Nolan, and we're talking about fandom. Whoop, whoop. Okay, so speaking of disappointment, yeah. let's talk about the 2007 Florida National Championship game. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. So... <laughs> Ohio State, Florida. Yes. Okay, this is the opening. You still have not forgiven Ted Ginn for this. You still get on me about every time I even say Ted Ginn to you in passing, <laughs> you, 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 you your face all scrunches up and you, your nose gets all scrunchy and you go, Ted Ginn. Because he, <laughs> he ran back the opening kickoff for a touchdown and you were thinking, this is it. We're going to yeah. demolish Florida. Yes. It's going to be a national championship again. Right? Because the Buckeyes had just gotten one in 2002. Right. It's going to be a national championship again. And it's going to be an absolute, you know, cakewalk. And he was hurt yes. on that play. Turf toe. Turf toe, which I, I still have not convinced you that turf toe is actually a really serious injury because it doesn't sound like a serious injury. I'm convinced we should, quick sidebar, we need to rename turf toe because it has people like my wife believing that it's not serious. <laughs> You're in a championship game. You just think that you should like lop off his toe and just keep going. That's I what mean... That if it's hanging off, sure, sew that sucker back on and get back out there. There you go. <laughs> Mrs. Nolan has absolutely no sympathy for your injuries. None. Just, just you know, rub some dirt on a cupcake. Get back in there. <laughs> okay, so where were you during this game? And how did you... This was your first real crushing experience. This was my first right? like championship game that I was really invested in. Um, and I remember... Off the top of my head, I really don't remember like the entire season and all the teams, but I remember thinking when we found out who we were playing in that championship game and I heard it was Florida, I was like, I'm ordering my shirt now. Champions, <laughs> champion, baby. So I was so excited. I was like, we're winning. Like, there's no way Florida was going to beat us in this game. So I was extremely confident. Um, it was a weekday. Right? It's usually a Monday night. Right. Um, I remember, you know, we we were able to wear our jerseys and all of our Buckeye gear to work that day. So I was decked out. And I was actually at my parents watching the game. And because we all worked that day, um, we ordered appetizers. We ordered a bunch of appetizers from B-dubs and 
yeah, I was so excited the entire day. And I was like, I'm going to wake up. It's going to be a good day tomorrow at work. It's going to be fabulous. And then it was not so fabulous. But yeah, I was at my parents watching the game with them. So how did that first heartbreak of that national championship, how how did you react to that? (laughs) Well, like a grown-up, of course. I sat on the steps and I cried. <laughs> okay, so let's. That, obviously, that's the way grown men and grown women do things. Absolutely. So <laughs> I cried. So I did. so talk me through that. That was your first real sports heartbreak ever, right? Yes. And that's the reason why I wanted to bring it up. It's your first experience with sports heartbreak. Yes. Now looking back on it, why did you feel that way? I felt like I just had a big breakup with the love of my life. <laughs> It was just, it was heart-wrenching. I mean, I came in and I was so confident that we were going to win this game. Like, no question, we were going to win this game. And it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. And, you know, the game started and we, you know, got that quick touchdown. And was that the only touchdown we got? Uh, I don't remember, to be honest. It was just... Yeah, it was rough. It was really rough for me. (laughs) I was at a Ruby Tuesdays by myself having a burger and watching the game at the bar. And I remember feeling things like, oh, man, I can't believe that Florida is putting it to Ohio State the way that it's being put to them. But I didn't feel the same things. And I don't know if it's because the Buckeyes had just won in 2002 and I was kind of I was good for a bit. Like I wasn't expecting a championship every five years. Maybe that was it, but maybe that's just an expectations minus reality thing. And my heartbreak wasn't quite the same as your heartbreak. And that's just the way, the way I processed it versus the way that you processed it, which is all part of the expectations minus reality. So why do we react this way? Why do we react in such a way that we have an emotional tie That feels, you mentioned that it felt like a breakup to you. Yeah. It felt like a breakup. Mm -hmm. But your breakup was with a championship. Yes. But you never actually had the championship. Maybe you broke up with the idea of a championship. So is it really, is it really as simple as just saying expectations were championship and now the feeling that you wanted to feel that was positive is now there's a vacuum there. And so you're filling that vacuum then with something else, which is sadness. So that championship is leaving you, then leaving you with that hole and your body's filling that up emotionally with sadness. Is it really that simple? Is it really I expected a championship and I didn't or is there something else to it? Well, I think in that case, it's also the fact that it's over. Like that's it. Um, You know, there's, that's the season right there and who knows what's going to happen next season. You know, are we still going to have this team? You know, are the all-star players still going to be there? Are they leaving for, you know, the pros or, or are they going to another team? Are they going to be traded or, you know, like thinking this was our best shot, you know, and it's the whole season led up to this moment and now it's gone and it's done. And, you know, it's the unknown as well. Like, what's going to happen next season? Is Are we going to have to wait another five years to even get back to this point? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that is a little bit of it. Like, it's just, it's done. It's over. That's a really good point. It's, a, I was so close. I do not know if this is going to have another opportunity again. Right. 
and in that way, it is kind of like a breakup. You know, yeah. when you break up with a significant other, you're like, hey, you know, I was this was step one of having a meaningful, fulfilling, long term relationship was dating someone. That's step one, right? Yeah. And then when you break up, you're starting back at zero again. Right. And the years, like, you know, am I going to get engaged or am I yeah. am I going to find that person? And yeah, it's like completely starting over again. And yeah. I think that's a good metaphor. I really do. I think that the, the feelings that you experience in a breakup, I think that is a good metaphor for that type of heartbreak. For me, that heartbreak was the Music City Miracle, mm-hmm. 1999. I truly believe that that team had an opportunity to go to Super Bowl. That was a, a really, really, really good defense. And I think that that team had an opportunity to go to a Super Bowl. And I think that after the disappointments that happened in the 90s with the Bills losing Super Bowl, losing Super Bowl, losing Super Bowl, losing Super Bowl, I thought, I don't know how many franchises get a crack at five of them in a decade. You know, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. And so... In my head, I think that's probably where the heartbreak comes from. The other part of the heartbreak comes from the fact that you feel like you got screwed. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I still believe that that was a, a forward pass. Right. I still I still believe that. <laughs> let, let me let me be openly say that that was a, that was a forward pass. This right. This is your this is your turf toe. <laughs> yeah. This is it's my turf toe. The difference is turf toe is a real thing. Okay. Turf toe is an actual injury, just like that thing was an actual forward pass. But I digress. The fact of the matter is that the way that you lose. And that's what I want to talk about next is the method by which you lose. Does that change our feelings? So if Ted Ginn hadn't gotten hurt and if the Florida Gators had just flat out looked like a better team all the way through with complete health for all the playmakers on both sides, would that have changed anything for you? I mean, I I, I always say, I always say <laughs> that it's one thing to lose to the better team than just showing up, not playing your game, and losing. It's like we we can play better. We played better all season, and now we showed up and we laid an egg, you know? Um, I always say that, but if the time actually came and we got beat by the better team that day, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's still disappointing. Will it hurt less? I don't know. So speaking of hurting less, let's talk about the Hail Mary. Yeah. With the Cardinals. So that's an example of losing yes. on a fluke play. Yes. Did you feel better than losing some of those games? That we've, You and I have seen some heartbreakers. You remember the Leotis McKelvin Monday night game? You were in my apartment at that time, and we watched it, and we were winning against the Patriots, and McKelvin came for a kickoff and fumbled the kickoff, and they ended up winning. You probably didn't experience any heartbreak at that time because – you weren't a Bills fan at that time. Right. We, we just started yeah. dating and that was not in your Rubicon at that point. Right. I was just wearing the shirt at that point. Right. You were just wearing the shirt. <laughs> I don't even know if you were wearing the shirt at that point. Yeah. It might have been very, very early on. Yeah. But that's an example of a, of a fluke play that kind of loses yeah. it for you. So a Hail Mary is even flukier than that. Did you feel different because it was a Hail Mary? Because I'll tell you me, I felt different Yeah. because it was a Hail Mary. I'm just like, hey, you know what? What are you going to do? I, it's a fluky play. It happens one in a hundred. Yeah. And... I mean, it sucks, but I would feel worse. I'll level with you. I would feel worse if they would have thrown like a 10-yard pass and we would have missed like 15 tackles and he went around the end zone. Absolutely, yeah. I would have felt way worse. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, I think we were just kind of like in shock when that happened. Like when he when he threw that ball and I saw um, Poyer go up, I was like, 
he's going to intercept this. We win the game. I'm celebrating like in my head. And then I look at the TV and then the Cardinals are all excited. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. They're like happy for us. And then I realized what had happened. I was like, no, that did not just happen, did it? Like how many times does that actually work, you know? You see it all the time. It never works. It never works. And I... I think I was just in shock, but I agree with you that it would have been more frustrating if they were running and we just missed a bunch of tackles and, you know, that that definitely would have been worse. But, um, and I think at that point, I think it's at that play, I don't know if there's anything else they could have done. I think it was just a insane play. By DeAndre Hopkins. Right. I mean, it's just you a give special the, player making a special play. And what's funny is I had him on my fantasy football team and I forgot all about it until I opened up the fantasy football app and then I couldn't even get excited about it. So what you're saying is it's your fault. <laughs> well, it's not my fault, but... It sounds like your fault. Well, you know, I beat you, so... <laughs> you did. I did. You did. But, uh, yeah, I, I think... That play in itself, it would have been great to come back and win. But we didn't play like we should have played the entire game. Yeah, we didn't play super well. If we would have stepped up our game a little bit and played like we can play, we wouldn't have had to worry about that one play. But, I mean, I don't think there was anything else we could have really done in that moment. It was just an incredible play by Hopkins. So you've arrived at this point where you are a diehard now. Yes. You're a diehard yes. Bills fan. You're ride or die, Buffalo Bills. I am. I am. Right. Absolutely. I mean, You've arrived at this point. I have. I mean, just like Ted Ginn, I feel like I'm at the point. Like when we first got married, I would wear the shirt. But if you made me mad, I remember going into the bedroom and changing out of that shirt and putting on a different shirt and be like, I'm changing teams <laughs> just to stick it at you. But now... I mean, I I think I've come to the point like I am with like the whole Ted Ginn thing. I've become like a mama bear. Like this is my team. These are my players. You don't mess with them. Um, I'm really bad about holding grudges. Super bad about holding grudges. I know it's not a good, good thing. You just now forgave Baker Mayfield for planting the flag. And that was years ago. Yes, this is true. But I still haven't forgiven... Jarvis Landry. I don't think you're ever going to forgive Jarvis no. Landry. I love me some Aaron Williams. And what you did to him was just absolutely awful. And Gronkowski. Oh, I'll never forgive Gronk. No, I'll never forgive Gronk. No, sorry. Sorry about that. You went after my Trey White. Not cool. So I think I have. Like, this is my team. You know, this, these are my people. I love them. And yeah, I'm so, all in. So you've arrived at the spot yes. where you're a mom bear and you're a diehard fan. I'm a mom bear. These are my, yeah, I I can yell at them and I can be mad at them, but you just need to hold off. <laughs> so what was it that got you here? Was it just time? Is, it, is that really what it is? Is it just time? Is it affection for me in this case? Because you were tied to the bills through me. Mm-hmm. And the longer we were together, then all of a sudden, because your affection for me grew, therefore your affection for the Bills grew. Is it really that simple? Is it just time? Were there specific events that catapulted your fandom forward? What is it that causes fandom to grow is my question. Because it's been so long for so many of us that we don't recognize moments where our fandom ebbs and flows. We see fandom as binary. Well, I I don't know. I, I was always a fan. I was always this diehard. But that's not really the way things work. There are gradients to this stuff. So... When did your fandom go 
forward? Like, how did you get from I'm wearing the shirt to I'm a mama bear? Like, how do we as fans, how can we look through your eyes and say, okay, these are the things that catapult my fandom forward and start to push me toward more of a diehard? Is it just time or is it more than that? Well, I mean, yes, I do enjoy having that in common with you. Like, I like being able to cheer for the Buckeyes on Saturday together and then turn around and get excited um, and cheer for the Bills on Sunday. But I don't think it was you why my fandom grew. Um, And I really do think it is just, for me, it was time. Like, I had to form that connection. Um, You know, going to my first Bills game, you know, a live game, being there in the stands surrounded by other Bills fans, you know, walking through everybody tailgating and, and just that whole experience. I remember going to Buffalo for the first time and I fell in love like instantly, like I fell in love with Buffalo. Um, so I think just having that moment and I, there, there is something about being a fan of a team, of a sport, and then being in that arena. It's just... I don't know. It like gives you goosebumps. Like that first time, it just gives you goosebumps. So I think that was a first step for me. Um, but then also just learning the players, you know, learning the coaches, going through different coaches, I think um, kind of helped with that because I could look at different coaches and be like, mm, no, you're not good. You're not good for our Buffalo Bills. And, you know, um, yeah, and just growing that connection with the players and even the community like Bill's Mafia, I, I've said it to you, I mean, many a times, and I will continue saying it. I am so incredibly proud to be a part of Bill's Mafia. The fan base is just incredible. The way they step up without being asked just to help people in need, and I just think it's incredible. It's it's a whole different world in Buffalo, and I could not be prouder to be a part of it and when somebody asks me now like who like oh you're a Bills fan I say it with so much pride like it just it just excites me and I think that has helped a lot just being around different um, other Bills fans and really learning what it is to be part of the Bills Mafia. Um, but other than that, I do think it's just time. You know, it's just time. The longer you watch, the longer um, you're cheering for this team. I mean, it, it does. It just it starts to mean something bigger and more, you know. And, um, yeah. I think that the, the generosity piece of Bills Mafia is a big part of attracting people and ingraining people into the community. And I think that that's an interesting word. You know, community... Because of the increase in technology, community used to just be a geographical term. That was it. Community, I'm in your community. It was a physical location. Mm -hmm. When you said the word community, you were talking about a physical location you could go to, go into, and leave. But that's not what community means anymore. And say what you will about the internet and social media, which have done, you know, irreparable harm to our society in a lot of different ways. But it's also connected people to the point where people who have never spent any reasonably meaningful time in Buffalo can feel like they're part of that community. And so now community is no longer geographical. Community is cultural now. It's bigger than that. And so I feel like tribalism in general, 
just psychologically speaking, tribalism has benefits. If you think about it just on an evolutionary standpoint, binding together in groups, people do this to keep safe. They do this to fulfill social needs. And that's where fandom comes from. Fandom is, is really a very, uh, a very tribal feeling. And it's, I like being a part of something. I like being a part of something. We can all cheer for this thing. And that's where rivalries come from. Yeah. Rivalries come from the idea that in order for there to be an us, there has to be a them. And so if you don't have something to root against, sometimes it's hard to find something to root for. And sometimes that can be dangerous. You know, religiously, politically, it can be dangerous because it, it forms these, these conflicts that don't necessarily need to be there in the hopes of galvanization. And that becomes part of it. But being part of something, it's a little bit like uh, Rachel from Glee, right? Yeah. The opening, one of her opening monologues is being part of something special makes you special. Yeah. And I think that intrinsically, people are searching for identity. And being part of something like Bill's Mafia and the community that gives makes them feel special. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of it. It's yeah. not just about the product on the field. It's about, like you said, it's about the community. Right. Like, and, you're, you're like, I'm, I'm part of that. Like, yeah. I am, might be a tiny little, you know, spot spot in it but i am i am part of that it's how people identify themselves so when you ask someone tell me about yourself you're on a first date you're on a speed dating right yeah. and you sit down you go tell me about yourself what's the first thing that people tell you the first thing that someone says is well this is what i do for a living yeah right and for a lot of people out there fandom becomes a primary function because some people work to live and other people live to work. But if you work to live and you view fandom as being part of your living, then when you say, tell me about yourself, the first thing out of your mouth might be, I'm part of Bill's Mafia. Right. And that means something to people. Right. And it, it can be a, a sense of joy for people mm -hmm. and it can be potentially a negative for people if you weaponize it and you use it in a way that's not appropriate. But overall, it can be a net positive for people. And I would think you would agree it's been a net positive for us. Yes. But it's not always a net positive by any means. Right. There are negatives to fandom. So yeah. we've talked in, on this podcast in the past about character traits versus character flaws. Mm -hmm. And character flaws are things that are just intrinsically negative. Selfishness is a thing like that, right? But character traits are things that are positive and negative. I would make an argument that fandom is a character trait. Yeah. There are positives to that and there are negatives to that. Right. In your experience, because I have my own list of things that I think are positives and negatives about fandom. I mentioned just a few of them a few seconds ago when I was talking about tribalism. But as you go back through your fandom journey mm -hmm. and you think, okay, I was not really a Bills fan at all 11 years ago and now I'm a diehard. Right. And you see the progression there and you see the positives and you see the negatives and we want to keep the positives. Right. And we want to lose the negatives. Yeah. How do we do that? Well, I don't think we're ever going to lose them um, because we're, we're human. You know, we're all human. So... You know, Speak we for yourself. <laughs> there's a there's a running joke on social media that I'm actually not a human. I'm a robot. But I I, I can I can promise you there is a person here to my left who absolutely can vouch for the fact that I'm a human. He's human. See, I'm human. <laughs> or I've constructed an incredibly elaborate. But am I human? That's right. I've constructed an incredibly elaborate android to be my quote unquote wife. But so what so what do we do? Well, I think. I'll speak for me, like on myself, because I know that I have had some negatives along with my fandom. I mean, there's been plenty of times. I think for both of us, we could be pretty intense watching games. Um, 
but the, the the problem that we have is either you're really upset and angry and intense or I am. And when you are, I'm just like, okay, you know what? You need to come down. When I am, you're like, you're not making this enjoyable at all. And <laughs> so I think for myself, I have to remember that this is supposed to be fun. Like this is supposed to bring joy to my life, you know, Um you know, there's so much going on outside and just life in general that this is supposed to be, you know, a few hours where we can get away from that and just have fun. Um, and something that I have had to tell myself is that if this is supposed to be fun and if you are getting upset or it's making you become negative or angry then you don't need to be consuming it because you don't need to be like that. You're no longer consuming something that's making you happy. Right. It changed at some point. And it's changing you. And I don't want to be, I don't want a show, um, a game, uh, you know, whatever it may be, a person. (laughs) I don't want to be consuming that if it's just going to make me a worse version of myself. Um. So I think that's important for me to remember that this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to bring me joy. Um, but also remembering that the players, the coaches, I mean, they're all human too, you know. And if you really think about it, they don't want to lose either, you know. And it's not only them losing a game, losing a chance to go to championship. I mean, they could lose their job. So it's 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 much bigger than that, you know what I mean? So I think just – seeing that and just be like well just get them out of here fire them bench them like I think we just need to show grace more to ourselves and to other people um and then also just remember that in anything in life there's ups and downs right you're happy with the ups and it's disappointing in the downs but I also think that's what makes a victory even better and even sweeter is going through those downs but keep chugging along anyway and getting to the top. And it's just, for me, I think it's just much sweeter than just, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, cruising along and just beating everybody in sight is awesome. Are you saying you wouldn't (laughs) sign up for the dynasty that the Patriots have had? I would take it. I would take it. But I also think there's something to be said going through those trials and rising up. It's just, I think it just makes a victory even sweeter. Awesome. Well, thank you. You're and thank welcome. you for being here. Well, thanks so much it. for having me. I I really enjoy doing this. I love doing it with you. And I just, it's a lot of fun. So thank you so much for having me back. I'll tell you what. Why don't you do the sign off? Why don't you deliver the final line of the podcast? Why don't you be the miracle and say, That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Mrs. Nolan. Buffalo Buffalo.